When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, it's Wednesday. It's Prime Minister's Questions. We're getting ever closer to Coronation Day and we'll be talking an awful lot about that, of course. Last night, uh, as you will have seen this morning, uh, there was an incident at Buckingham Palace. There's now all sorts of talk about whether it can be defended, whether the security around the Coronation is going to be good enough. I was walking around in Westminster yesterday and I can tell you there's plenty of police around, but you can't really stop somebody walking into an area where people are allowed to walk. And unless you stop anybody from going there, uh, you're always going to have a risk of one kind or another. But we'll explore that uh, with, amongst others, Ken Wolfe, former Royal Security man, of course, uh, as well uh, as Paul Scully, MP, uh, who's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the show. We kick off this morning, though, uh, to talk about a great many things, including the new police powers against the Just Stop Oil uh, nutters. Also, um, another poll that's been done around the police, a YouGov poll this time, in which it basically says the cops are not treating disruptive climate protesters harshly enough. In fact, uh, not even are they not treating them harshly enough, but neither are the judges either. Uh, we'll also be talking about national anthem. Apparently, some people think the national anthem's a bit dull. Oh, really? Well, blow me over with a feather, as they used to say. Of course, it's a bit dull. It's meant to be a bit dull. It's meant to be traditional. It's meant to be a bit of a dirge. You know, Julie Hartley Brewer this morning saying, "Why can't we have something brilliantly new and exciting like Jerusalem, which is not really even named after Britain, is it? It's named after Jerusalem." I know it's supposed to be about Britain, but that's not the point. I like the national anthem. I like the fact that it's a dirge. I like the fact that it's a traditional song. And if it doesn't make you feel like standing up and saluting the king, then I'm sorry for you. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Also, we will talk about a great many other things, including, of course, uh, the NHS strikers. Are they ever going to go back? And one surprise one from left field, and this is thanks to the Times uh, Health Commission, George Osborne, the former Chancellor, you remember the man that put a tax on Cornish pasties and then took it off again before he could heat it up? He's saying that we should actually tax orange juice and ban smoking altogether. Very odd, indeed. Very strange. Also, what's going on with Sue Gray, by the way? Does anybody know? She apparently was supposed to have a report delivered to ministers yesterday, to MPs, who were supposed to find out whether or not uh, she lacked any integrity whatsoever. Uh, she's proven that she has not as much integrity as everybody thought by not cooperating with the inquiry. But it now looks as though Simon Case, who is effectively the boss of all civil servants, has apparently blocked the release of the report in case he gets a going over in it. So that means he doesn't have much integrity either. Does anybody have any integrity anywhere, anywhere near Downing Street? We'll be finding out uh, all of that, plus an awful lot more. Prime Minister's questions at midday with Peter Cardwell, 0344 499 1000. Rupert Bell is roaming around London somewhere on a horse, I think, as well. So we'll be talking to him. This is Talk TV. Let's get it on. really on a horse, by the way, but there we are. He might be. I mean, it's very possible. He lives in Gloucestershire, yeah, quite near Cheltenham. Anyway, Leon Emerali's here. Very good morning to you. Morning. How the devil are you? Only three days away from uh, 
of what do you call it, Sea Day, Coronation Day? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think it's a, a good chance for everyone to come together and enjoy uh, mm. enjoy seeing the new king be crowned. I mean, look, in this country, we don't often get to see this type of thing very often. So when it does oh, come I mean, around, I've I think we've got to enjoy it. it. No, well, we've seen never it. seen a coronation. I mean, you're I mean, young enough to possibly see the next one as well, but I very much doubt that I'll be around for that. I wasn't uh, born when the last one happened. So I think people who say to you, well, I'm not really that interested. Well, fine. You don't have to be that interested. But I think if you miss out on watching it, yeah. it's quite a short uh, ceremony. Yeah. It's quite a short kind of, um, you know, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon endeavour. Yeah. And then you just get back to normal. Well, it's history. It's yeah. history. And I think we have to be there and, and to enjoy that. And, and there is a bigger, more important meaning to this, which is Britain's soft power mm. is wrapped up so much in the monarchy. And right. if we were to get rid of that, or we were to downplay these big events like, coron- like, like this coronation, then I think that the Americans... Would look would look at us as something slightly inferior. You know, the Asian uh, countries would look at us something yeah. m- more inferior. So I think it's good for Britain to have its place in the world, to have yeah. its identity in the world, and like it or not, that's wrapped up in the monarchy because that's the country's yeah. history and wrapped up very much in the national anthem. I don't know what your view is of the national anthem, but I mean, you know, whenever we watch sports and we mm. watch the Six Nations, for example, and Scotland have got uh, their own national anthem, which is not really a national anthem. The Welsh as well, but both of which sound a lot more sort of stirring than ours, yeah. uh, which is played as the English national anthem in rugby yeah um, but it's the british national anthem actually yes and i and i think i mean yes it is dull yes it is a bit of a dirge but i'd rather like it i agree with you i mean it's not what the kids would call a banger no but it's uh, it is the national anthem yeah. you can't just go around changing it and i think actually you know god save the queen god save the king that's part of mm. again the nation's history yeah. we hear it all the time and when you know for me a football fan whenever i whenever england play yeah and you hear that that's part of the tradition of of watching football yeah. i just think we should go on you belt it out, don't you? You belt it out when I, you're watching the game. I think we should do what the Americans do, which is before any sort of public event, sporting event, we yeah. play the national anthem mm. because actually it is part of our identity. Because in America, they play it for every basketball every game, game, every baseball game, every football game, yeah. every sort of you know ordinary run-of-the-mill fixture. Yeah, they play the national anthem. They play the national anthem. But then they're much prouder of their country in America than we are. Every single uh, house in America, I know, not always in every city, but in say the suburbs, everybody's got a flag. Everyone's got a flag. Stars and stripes. I, I admire the American patriotism. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can do it here because you then start getting those conversations that are so Yeah, but heated why can't we charged. do it here? Uh, because but you why get, do you, people get you, so worked up? Because you get all this stuff about about the past, about mm. Britain, you know, the Britain, the British Empire. Yeah. I'm not here to say that was all right and it was all rosy, but we have to also be proud of the fact of Britain's role in the world yeah. and what we've given the world, and well, we should same, be proud of it. The same people who say that we shouldn't be proud of it are very proud of the European Union. Uh, which includes several countries that did exactly what Britain did mm. in the days of empire. The mm. French were just as bad, yeah. uh, I believe. Yeah. You know, let's not talk with the Germans. You know, let's not talk about their history. You know, the Spanish have had fascist leaders. Yeah. The Italians have had them. You know, I mean, it's not a pretty sight the, over there. there but f- it's all become very anti-Tory and anti sort of you know what they regard as yeah. nationalistic. Yeah, and there are so few countries, Mike, where actually they've got a clean history where they right. can be proud of it from start to finish. I mean, yeah. for goodness sake, it's you're literally talking about the inception of a country. Hundreds right. of hundreds but of suddenly years. apparently also places where there are now problems in parts of the world it's mm. all our fault as well so even though we've <laughs> kind of left uh, left the rest of the world alone yeah. it's still our fault yeah well and this huh? is it how far back do you want to go i mean how, how much do we have to how far mm. back do we have to go for us to decide whether or not britain had its place in helping in the de- you know something terrible happen in, in one country yeah. or another i just think it's a bit right. it's a bit too complicated and for so what do you make of these republican demonstrators because two big stories today i suppose yeah. the police uh, and the home office are sending letters out to some of these Republican organisations saying, mm. you know, mm. be careful what you do 
Please yeah. do not disrupt the coronation, otherwise bad things might happen to you. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. Well, look, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not a Republican. I think the monarchy does more good than it does harm. But I, I do also think that there is a time for a conversation yeah. about, about whether or not we should move to being a republic. Yeah. And probably for them, they're thinking, well, now is the time because mm. we're transitioning from one very popular monarch to someone who's maybe not as popular right. as, she, as, as, the, as the Queen was. So I get it and I get their reasoning, but not on coronation no. day. It's the I same. think it would be a very bad look for the country if yeah. we had a bunch of these extremists, and that's what I'm going to call them, mm. standing around shouting, not my king yeah. as Charles goes past in the royal coach yeah. because that's going to be beamed all over the world and people will get the impression yeah. that there's a lot, an awful lot of people in this country who don't want the monarchy which is not true it's not true and I think that I've seen you know people saying oh you know the Americans think that we're all lapping up coronation we've got coronation fever well more people have than don't and mm. I think that has to be made quite clear mm. that actually three you know three uh, the, the majority of this country support the monarchy yeah. and that has to come through in terms of the coverage that we see globally so if you you get some idiot running across, you know, Prince uh, King Charles's uh, uh, carriage mm. or whatever, trying to get him out. Right. I mean, that just doesn't look good for the country at all. So, right. I, and it does, it's not a fair reflection on where the mood of the country is and where no. the opinion. Of the and that's is. what I mean. That it would be, you know, I, I, I really, I don't care if people want to protest. I just think if it's going to be this big global event, yeah. this is not the time to do it. Yeah, have um, that, have that conversation, but, but, but let that day go through yeah. scot-free because it's important for the country's uh, image, yes. national image. And yes. I think we should leave that to be. The other big questions today are around the policing of the event itself, of course. Mm. Let's have a look at what happened last night because there was an arrest made uh, at the palace. Um, there was a man who uh, apparently had a knife, uh, also had some form of shotgun cartridge that he was throwing over the fence. Let's watch uh, as the police move in because um, the difficulty with all of this stuff is that of course it's difficult to police an entire area unless you kind of lock it all down, unless you say, right, nobody's allowed in to these particular parts of London. And that's the palace there that you can see. Uh, and the police officers kind of, um, I think they've got him there as we speak, as, as, as we're watching it. Um, unless, you know, and I was in Westminster yesterday and they basically stopped all cars from going through um, Parliament Square. Cyclists are allowed through for some reason. Apparently they're all safe. Um, and pedestrians are allowed through. Mm. So I'm not quite sure why the cars are not allowed through, but, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they've got their reasons for that. But, you, you know, you're basically walking through, as you would normally do, past the House of Lords, past mm. the House of Commons, St Stephen's Tower and all that. Um, there's plenty of police there, and they've got armed police as well, but they're not stopping everyone. No. So, I mean, if you had some reason to disrupt or you had something to throw... Mm. You probably could. Yeah. Well, I, I just came from Westminster and I'll be going back there as well. You know, there is a sense of high security around the area mm. that you get for these types of events. But as right. you say, what's it going to stop if you are hell bent on, on, on causing disruption or, or, or doing something that's going to disrupt the day? Right. Well, they're not exactly going to stop you because, quite frankly, they can't. Unless, right. okay, yes, they've got guns, but they're not going to deploy them in case, no. unless, unless there is a, you know, a threat to life. Right. So, so it's almost as if that's a deterrent. But I don't think ultimately this is going to do much. It's all in the. I mean, this is the other reason why people like Just Stop Oil need to be very careful, mm. because if they actually do try and make some kind of protest which is in any way deemed to be a threat to security for the royal family, they could end up they could end up getting shot at, yeah. quite frankly. There's yeah. going to be snipers, there's going to be all sorts of people there. Yeah, well, there's going to be incredibly important people there. I mean, OK, the US president's not going to be there, right. but you're going to have a lot, of, a lot of heads of state, a lot of important people yeah. with lots of security around them. So, you know, I don't think this is necessarily the time to, to make your run if you're thinking about causing no. a scene, because there is going to be potentially a heavy-handed response to yes. it. And I think that's... that's 
hopefully acting as a deterrent. Right. Uh, and that's what the forces will be hoping for, the security services will be hoping for. But I think my, the planning is in the intelligence mm. for these types of events. Have, if they've got wind that something is going to happen, then yeah. then they'll try and they'll try and quash it before yes. it gets anywhere. But we've not heard anything, obviously, for obvious reasons. No, but, of course. But let's see if anything material. But again, you know, it will be in stark contrast. And I remember this happening. I think I can't remember what the what the uh, the day was, but I think it might have been Boris Johnson's inaugural kind of trip to the palace to be right. made prime minister after he won in 2019. And you think there was somebody from Greenpeace standing in the mall trying to stop the, the motorcade. Right. And the cops were not having any of it. And they right. just shoved them all out of the way, if you remember. Right. Yeah. Very different to the way they normally treat yeah. Greenpeace and Just Stop All. Because in the in the poll from um, YouGov today, people say um, they are not treat, the, the cops are not dealing with climate protesters harshly enough. 44% of people yeah. say that. Yeah. And judges, 46% of them, not dealing with with, uh, with these climate protesters harshly enough. And that's going to change, obviously, on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, for things like that, if you've got someone with a Greenpeace or Just Stop Oil banner standing in front of a car, now, OK, that might seem quite innocent, yeah. but what it's doing is holding up the entire yeah. motorcade. So so you've essentially got a Prime Minister or uh, sitting, you know, a, a, an a important target. target as a sitting target. Yeah. So that's why they're going to be treated very heavy-handedly. Mm. And, and obviously, you've got the eyes of the world on London, on Westminster Abbey at that particular moment. And I think it would be very embarrassing for the UK as a whole if there was to be a level of disruption. And I think, as you say, in those in those figures, I think mm. a lot of people see this disruption. They see people jumping on snooker tables. They see mm. sports events being disrupted. They see, you know, ridiculous sort of people gluing themselves to roads and all the rest of it. It's not popular. Mm. And actually, why are they taking aim at Prince Charles? Keep calling that King Charles. Yeah, it's easy to do that. It is easy to do that. King Charles. Why are they taking aim yeah. at him? Because he is probably one of the most environmentally yeah. friendly public figures that well, we've got. He's the their same, biggest advocate. You might as well ask the same question. Why are they taking aim at Britain, mm. uh, which is mm. one of the most green countries compared to what other countries are doing, mm. and which has done more for most of the green economy yeah. than any other country in the world. But we'll come back to that because we want to talk about Sue Gray as well. We'll take your expertise on it from the inside uh, of the civil service the inside of Downing Street, how it's all been working. Also, the national anthem. Do you want to change it? I don't think we should. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're here with Leon Everali, former government advisor, of course, special advisor, we should say. Uh, last time you were in, of course, we were talking about the bullying aspect, weren't we? Uh, and the situation with the um, with Steve Barclay, the Secretary of State for uh, uh, Health and Social Care. And it turned out that the day the story ran was yeah. the day he was taking the NHS uh, nurses to court yeah. and winning yes. so they couldn't strike for two more days, which yeah. was actually rather a good thing in the end because an awful lot of them walked off the job disgracefully, in my view, um, on Monday, mm. Bank Holiday Monday, mm. walked out of of, of, uh, of, of, of clinical and, and, and sort of serious... Um, care units, yeah. you know, cancer yeah. units, you know, ICUs. And you just think, if that's how you feel, you shouldn't really be a nurse. No, I mean, you, you think that, or you, you'd, you'd like to think that the people in that profession are some of the most caring people mm. you can find, and that's what puts your mind at ease. Right. So that if you're unwell or your family are unwell, they're there being looked after right. by people who care. But I read that story, and it was just astonishing that they mm. were literally leaving people in some of their most desperate situations mm. they could possibly be in to walk out and make this political point uh, against, against the government. And it's just become to a point where politics seems to be infringing on every single yeah. component of public life. And it's worrying when that starts then impacting people's access to health care. People's actual health care. Yeah, exactly right. Let's get back for a moment to the national anthem, though, because, of course, um, in The Times this morning, uh, God Save Us, plead anthems critics is a headline. And they've got some suggestions for other songs that could replace. Well, One of them, of course, Land of Hope and Glory, which is what... Uh, 
Uh, Julie Hartley Brewer quite fancies. I vow to thee, my country, don't think so. Rule Britannia. I don't mind Rule Britannia. Rule Britannia's Actually, right. that's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Uh, you can see uh, the number of people who have voted. Land of Hope and Glory comes top, 34%. I vow to thee, my country, 12%. Rule Britannia, 10%. Sweet Caroline. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Please stop it now. I mean, that started as, a, as an anthem for the Boston Red Sox, apparently, uh, I mean, baseball in America. I bet Neil Diamond must, whenever there's a football tournament yeah. on, he must look at his royalties in his bank yeah, and account just go, and this just spikes good. and yeah. no idea what's going on. And then Wonderwall. I mean, I think Oasis have had their day, haven't they? Yeah, it's not, um, not stone, They don't get invited to Downing Street anymore no. and they don't even speak to each other, so they don't even have them as a national anthem. But um, listen, I want to keep God Save the Queen. Well, you know, why wouldn't you? There it is. God Save the Queen. King. King even. <laughs> it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's so easy. I keep calling him Prince Charles. I mean, I was, I was, at, uh, I was at the rugby at the England-France game mm. for my sins, which wasn't exactly a happy moment for any England fan, um, and sang God Save the King, I think, for the first time. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah, really it's, quite, it's quite a moment, isn't it? When it you really sort of, is. When you come and to you think look and you at the players, and the players obviously feel it, and the yeah. fact that it's slow actually in some ways is, is solemn, yeah. it's rousing, it's quite emotional at times, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think so. And actually, what I admire, I mean, if you look back to some previous England teams, talking about football, not rugby, because the rugby lot do belt it out. Yeah. But a lot of the former England teams, they just sort of mumble it. And yeah. They just wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't really sing along. Because right, they're not getting extra money for it. Not getting extra money for it. I think, I think they've tried to make them sing it now. So actually, right. why not? You should have pride. You're representing your country. Yeah. You're putting on Also, Russell Quirk was in with Julia this morning. He made a good point. You can't just change everything. No. Just because you don't like it or because you fancy changing it. You know, it's been here for hundreds of years. How about you just leave it as it is? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for innovation. I'm all for moving forward and all yeah. the rest of it. But there are some things that actually, you know, the UK's, place in the world is as this quite romantic almost sort of you know historic mm. country and we have to therefore keep some of those pillars the cornerstones yeah. of that identity of which the national anthem is absolutely one of them. absolutely couldn't agree more right but anyway we'll take your views on it of course because you may have different views one here uh, from somebody doesn't give me Mike, our national anthem is the dirge as is that of germany uh, the marseillaise is a great national anthem the best and the italian one is pretty good too yeah, they're all fine, but they're very good for Italy. They're very good for France. The Argentinian national anthem is quite sort of um, jumpy and quirky as yeah, well. Yeah. But it's a bit mad, a bit like Argentina is, you know, I, so that's fine for them. Yeah. We're a bit of a dirge. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. Let's talk about integrity because, yeah. you know, uh, you've worked in Downing Street and I'm trying to keep a straight face as I say this. Um, obviously, a place full of integrity, <laughs> uh, so full of integrity, in fact, that Simon Case, who's now the sort of chief civil servant in Downing Street, uh, did not release the Sue Gray report. We were told all day yesterday the Sue Gray report's coming out. It's going to show probably that she broke the rules. It's probably going to make it difficult for her to become uh, the chief of staff for yeah. Keir Starmer. None of that happened. So no. what did happen? Well, I think ultimately Simon Case is looking over his shoulder because let's not forget that previously the weekend he was being briefed against people saying he hasn't got long left in the role. So he's soon going to have to be finding a job in the private sector yes. himself. Right. So he's probably thinking, I don't want to set a precedent here where we do these investigations mm. and we make them quite tricky for whoever it is that's moving from the civil service to the private sector because yeah. he may well find himself yes. in that same situation. And he situation. came from the palace, didn't he? He came from Buckingham Prince Palace. Prince William's private sector, yeah. I believe he or was. Or Kensington Palace. Yeah. yeah, and, and you know he's um, 
I think he's he's had he's on borrowed time. I mean, yeah. He has been for a while, really, ever since Boris Boris left. Mm. And I think that there's a bit of a sense that he's not really up to the job. You have got the civil service, rightly or wrongly, but they've got to be at their most demoralised, demotivated right. period. And that isn't because of the 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 elected politicians. I mean, ultimately, the responsibility is with him. Mm. He is their you know their boss. He is yes. their CEO. Right. Um. So he has got that on his on his shoulders to deal with, and he's not been doing a fantastic job. He's in the news more than he's out of the news. Right. And if you're behind the scenes... If Even you're a Alistair Campbell servant, eventually had to leave for that reason. Exactly. You don't want to be making news yourself. Right. You want to be the one that's sort of managing things right. from the background. And I think it's a distraction. And he's also been in the news before because he was at the centre of some of those bullying accusations and allegations around Meghan and, and Harry mm. uh, when they were at the palace as mm. well. So he's kind of you know, been in and out of the news quite a lot. But what about her um, assertion that she's not cooperating with one of the cabinet inquiries because she's a, she's cooperating with one inquiry? Yeah. And the story in the Times today is saying that uh, Case blocked this release basically because it's an interim report, uh, and he got he got a bit of cold feet mm. because of the fact that there's an election tomorrow. Yeah, well, this is it, and I think that you know she she is the queen of these inquiries, and she's mm. not even incorporating with the one. Uh, that's to do with with her, so right. I find that slightly strange. And yeah. I do think for Star, it's not the act of a woman who is filled with integrity. I would say this is what we're told, and and, and f- f- I think for Starmer, he's really made an own goal here because. Mm. Why would you bother going through this rigmarole where your whole pitch to mm. the public is I'm cleaner than clean, I'm whiter than white, yeah. you can trust me. This just smells fishy. Yeah. So why has he put himself in that situation? There are plenty of people out there who could do a fantastic job as his chief of staff, mm. but he's got this uh, th- th- this thing just to make a political point scoring, really, yeah. to say I want Sue Gray, I want, the, I want right. the top civil servant, when it's just making him look a bit murky, look it a is. bit fishy. Yes, as you say, he sort of set himself a man trap because, first mm. of all, he wouldn't say when they started having the conversation then yeah. yesterday he came out and said, oh, don't worry, we weren't talking about it then. Yeah. As if to say, well, we might have been talking about something, but we weren't talking about her having a job. So it is incredibly sort of, you know... It's just murky. And, and I, I, for, for Keir Starmer, I think he really is uh, making strategic error after strategic error at the minute. And when it looked like Labour onto a home run, he just keeps putting his foot in it. And I think this is one of those examples. I do question his judgment. Uh, and if he brings that into number 10 as Prime Minister, then then the stakes are suddenly yeah. 10 times, 100 times I think higher. there are several things that he's done recently that have questioned his judgment or put his judgment mm. into question, particularly the, the tack ads that have backfired yeah. completely on Labour, yeah. um, which haven't helped his... his uh, uh, and people are now act, uh, openly saying that by autumn of this year, it could be that the lead that they have over uh, the, the government is, is single-digitly. Yeah, well, I think there's already, when you look at the polls, OK, Labour are ahead, but you look at the head-to-head between Sunak mm. and Starmer, Yes, only yesterday. It, it, it is razor thin. Yeah. I think that is why, actually, there's not going to be this this sort of uh, land, landslide for, for, uh, for Labour mm. because they're talking about Tony Blair numbers. Keir Starmer is not Tony Blair. He's not. He has not got the charisma. Right. He has not got the vision. All he is is this sort of, you know, bloke in a suit who's trying to say he's more managerial than the other guy. Well, mm. that might have worked against Boris. It might have worked against Liz Truss. Against Rishi Sunak, it's a different, mm. it's a different opponent. Yeah. Like Rishi is also very managerial, very competent. Yes. So what's the difference? And they Why haven't been able Labour? to crack that, have they? They haven't no. been able to work out how to take him on. We'll be seeing it, Prime Minister's questions today, um, and interestingly enough, because I think last week Rishi Sunak showed that he's actually warming to the task. Mm. He's actually rather enjoying PMQs now, and he's getting quite good at it. And I think last week, Keir Starmer was swatted around like a fly, and yeah. kept trying to come up with you know reasons to have a go at the government, and kept failing constantly. Yeah. Yeah, well, soon 
has got one issue, and that is this perception of weakness. And yeah. I think if he can shake that, which he's obviously trying to do with these crackdowns on on protesters, mm. crackdowns on crime, and and you know, scammers and all the rest of it, we're in the papers today. If he can get rid of that weakness uh, label, then I think he's on a home mm. run because you know this isn't going to be like the, the the people are suggesting Labour are going to have a landslide. If I was mm. going to put money on it right now, I think there would be a very very small sort of twenty fifteen. Uh, like mm. majority for the Conservatives yeah. of three or four seats because I, I just don't think that necessarily Labour have got the vision. There's no reason to vote for Labour mm. other than the, if you don't like the Conservatives. Yes. It's not enough. Which brings you back to George Osborne and his orange juice tax. But we haven't <laughs> got time, I'm afraid. We're out of time. Leon, good to see you. Thank you very good much you. indeed. Leon Emirali, uh, of course, former government special advisor. We've got Paul Scully MP coming up. We might ask him about George Osborne's tax uh, on orange juice and the fact that he wants to do away with smoking altogether. This is Talk TV. I'm Mike Graham. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Brian in Southend says this, Mike, cyclists are allowed near the palace because obviously unlike car drivers, they're not trying to poison the king just before the coronation. <laughs> God save London's moronic mayor. Yes, well, quite. It is ludicrous, right? The fact I understand that there's got to be security. I understand the fact that you've got to make sure that areas of London are safe because that's where the coronation route is going to be. I understand that the Palace of Westminster has to have security. I get all that. But what I don't understand is why Westminster Bridge is closed to cars, but not to cyclists. How Parliament Square is closed to cars, but not to cyclists. How Victoria Street and Constitution Hill are closed to cars, but not to cyclists. Are cyclists some kind of special breed? Are they? Something I'm missing? Uh, do they not have any miscreant cyclists? I can tell you. I will be talking a bit about that a bit later on because we spotted quite a few. For now, though, let's talk to Paul Scully, MP, Minister for Tech and the Digital Economy. And Paul, uh, welcome on Coronation Week to the Independent Republic. Um, the two things that can go together. We can have a monarchy out there and an independent republic in here. It's not a problem. Uh, first of all, big question for you. Should we replace the national anthem? Well, apparently some people think we should. No, why would we? Why would we do that? I think it's a it's a, a national anthem that's known around the world. I do remember Billy Connolly trying to um, encourage people to change it to the theme tune of the Archers, but to give it a bit more zip. <laughs> yeah. But no, look, you know, this is uh, something that we all know, we all respect, and um, uh, and we all should be joining in on it when yeah. we, uh, whenever possible. Also, I think the fact that it's a dirge actually is is part of its charm. I mean, you want it to be a bit of a, jer- a dirge because it's a sort of a, it's it's meant to be a sort of a rousing fairly serious piece of music isn't it yeah it is and it actually i think it also means that being slower people can join in when you hear some national anthems at rugby or football yeah. or something like that you know, that's zipping along and you get people going at different speeds you really do get a sense of union yeah when you get the national anthem being uh sung at full voice in in harmony and we're in union not in harmony because mm. you don't want that three-part harmony absolutely so, right now, we're going to be talking about cyclists a little bit later on and the kind of obsession that Sadiq Khan seems to have uh, for allowing them to go wherever they like, meanwhile blocking cars from going anywhere at all. I was uh, driving around in South London last Saturday morning uh, near Lee, and there was an old, I don't know if you've seen any of these guys, but the, the anti-ULES brigade were out in force, and they had an old fire engine from, like, Victorian times, um, and they were just driving it around with big signs on saying, stop ULES, stop Sadiq Khan, and they were getting a lot of support from the other, you know, um, people on the streets, people just walking past, people in cars honking their horns. You know, nobody wants this, and yet he still seems to be pushing ahead with it. No, absolutely. And you can say, see why there would be support, because it's such a repressive, pernicious tax. It's, it's a drive to fill his um, coffers back up with money rather than doing anything significant mm. 
on air pollution. You know, his own stats say that it will reduce um, uh, NOx particulates by one and a half percent, which is, uh, you know, any gain in pollution is fine, but, the, but when you do a cost to benefit, just think what the cost is. The amount of small businesses, charities, people on lower incomes that are going to suffer as a result of this, um, it's, it's just really totally the wrong answer. It should be scrapped immediately. Yeah, it really should. And there is a legal challenge, uh, which I presume is still kind of in the works. I think we've probably got until July, is it, for that to, to be resolved? Yeah, my understanding is it's going to be around July that the, um, that the court case is heard. So mm. the court has given permission for the judicial review to happen uh, based on uh, two of the five most um, uh, you know, uh, potent uh, 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 attacks, basically the fact that he um, had a flawed consultation, that he, hadn't, he hasn't done enough on the scrappage scheme. Yes, exactly right. The other big story I wanted to talk to you about is the whole Just Stop Oil crowd. You know, they're threatening to disrupt the coronation uh, as well as the Republic uh, uh, people who want to sort of put some form of protest out there while the coronation is on as well. The police have been given new powers um, to, 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 to stop those uh, protests and to, and to treat those protesters more harshly. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, some people worry that it's going to give the police too many powers. But, I mean, up to now, the police, according to a YouGov poll this morning in The Sun, um, are not being harsh enough with these, uh, with these idiots. And we saw one yesterday complaining about getting their foot run over. You know, they didn't appear to be in too much pain. But, you know, if you're going to stand in front of a car and try and stop it moving, you know, that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really pleased that these police powers are coming in. And actually, we did see some video of uh, policemen removing Just Stop Oil uh, protesters from the streets, from obstructing people. Mm. And it's because, look, people should be able to protest, but they've got to protest in a constructive way. Yeah. And, uh, and there is nothing constructive about this approach. You know, when I've seen them all hanging around, they've been on their, um, their iPhones, they've been using uh, all things, that, lots of which are oil-based products within them. Um, and then when they've actually had the chance to be on uh, a, a TV show or, or have uh, the spotlight put on them, which is what they want to get their point across, they've just not had anything to say. They've no. just not done it in a constructive way. Well, this is the thing. I mean, they are kind of deranged and deluded people who think that if we were to stop uh, drilling for oil in the North Sea, something would change about the environment. It wouldn't. This is, uh, you know, this is all going back to swampy days, isn't it? Yeah. About just going living in a cave and stopping the capitalist economy. It's trying to overthrow capitalism, yes. basically, right. rather than actually do what they're trying to do and to tackle pollution. Yeah. We all want to tackle pollution, but that's why we talk about net zero, and I know some of you not, might not like that, but it's a transition. The whole point about net zero, it's just, and first of all, it's net, so it's actually you can offset stuff, but it's also we're aiming to 2050. That's a long time away. Mm. We've got to use every day, every week, every month, every year, rather than just switching off the lights yeah, today. But I'll ask you the same question I always ask anybody who says net zero is a good idea. How will it change anything? It won't. Well, in what way? I mean, I think it will. Well, when when we get to 2050, I doubt I'll be here to prove you wrong, unfortunately. Uh, but what will be different? How will the world be different? Because, because Britain has managed to offset some stuff by planting a few trees somewhere. Yeah, but that's what I meant about. Yeah, I talked about the fact that net is not, you know, not zero. But, uh, but so there will be some transition. But a lot of this is driving technological changes to make sure that we can have um, more efficient cars, heating, uh, transport. Uh, I've got a very efficient make... car now. Yeah, but you can have it even more efficient. And you know, I've just I've just got back from the G7 in Japan, and so I flew you know flew to Japan and back. And it, what it's doing is changing the way. That sounds a bit dangerous the, for the for the climate. It's so the aerospace industry to change the way that they use different fuels and these and have more efficient. Wings yeah, but I mean, I bet you didn't offset your flight to Japan, did you? 
No, it didn't. So, uh, well, no, because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because because there's no point. You know, Chris Martin used to offset his flights when he was in Coldplay, and he set up a load of uh, trees and built put a load of trees into uh, uh, into Sri Lanka, and they all burned down because it was too hot. You know, so these are all things that well, people no, that, do, but they don't actually, they don't change anything, you know, and I don't want to have a row with you about it, but it's, no, it's no, rubbish. No, I want to say by 2050, the planes that we're flying in will be very, very different because they'll either be using hydrogen or they'll be using sustainable aviation fuels, the wings will be more efficient, etc. So it's what we're doing is just changing, telling the industry that we are behind them in yeah. terms of... And nobody minds change. that, Paul, but if it's more expensive, then it punishes the poorer people in this well, country. That's, and that's, that's exactly, exactly what that's... ULEZ is about. I mean, ULEZ, I is, ULEZ is about making people poorer on behalf of the yeah. environment, and I think that's the You've wrong way around. You've actually got to the heart of it, uh, Mike. I think the drive towards um, you know, uh, cleaner living is no, no bad thing, as long as you're not penalising people. Exactly. Take people along with you on that journey. And ULEZ is exactly that. It's just a smack in the face for people that can least afford to make those changes. And it's given people no time to make those changes. It's just a matter of months. Mm. Whereas I was talking about 2050, we're talking about changing, you know, banning petrol car sales by 2030. That's a long time away. Not really. People a lot of time no, because if you're changes. buying, if you're a family about to buy a new car, and it's now yeah. 2023, you're thinking, I'll buy a car which I can keep for 10 years. But if you're going to buy a petrol or diesel car now, it's going to be worthless. Well, no, because you can still, you can still, you know, keep it. Yeah, but you can't um, sell you it know, to anyone, can you? You can still run it into the ground. You know, my, my car I bought in 2009, it's, it's, but it's still compliant. It's only a little, little car. And, I'll, you know, I'm not going to be selling it anytime soon. I'll just use it until it's, uh, until it's uh, at the end of its life. And then by whatever's around at the time. So uh, people will be in different circumstances, and that's why we need a degree of flexibility, but importantly, give people time, not just until August. Mm. I mean, that's ridiculous. What the mayor is doing, he's saying, he's giving people a matter of months to say, you've got to change mm. one of the biggest purchases you'll ever do, but after your house. Yeah. But, you know, people can't afford houses or cars, but the way things are going. Let's talk about no. George Osborne. Let's talk about George Osborne. He mm. wants to tax orange juice, right, and ban smoking. Now, for a start... The banned smoking idea is a stupid one because the government gets an awful lot of revenue from the taxes on cigarettes. And if he actually thinks that by making smoking illegal, people will stop smoking, he must be up a gum tree. He was talking, by the way, to the Times Health Commission yesterday. Yeah, look, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't do either of those things. I disagree with both of those things. But I, I would say, though, at least when he's saying about banning smoking, it's an honest debate because what a lot of people have said is they don't want people smoking. But as you rightly say, let's take the money from it. Let's take tax from mm. it. If you, if, you, if, you, if you think it's a bad thing, then uh, and you, you want to get rid of it, get rid of it. Don't have this halfway house. I'm a libertarian. I don't think we should be banning it. I don't, um, and I think we should actually be engaging with uh, the other, uh, you know, all t tobacco alternatives, vaping mm. and things like that, to see what more we can do to encourage people to, to, um, to, to other habits. In terms of orange juice, I've never thought the sugar tax is a particularly um, uh, good way of no. approaching it. Because again, it's nanny state, and it's been proved not to work in other areas. Yeah, uh, it might have a, a, in, in Mexico and places like that. It had a, an immediate effect, but then that sort of drifted away. And so I think it's all very well people saying, you know what, uh, government knows best. I tell you, it doesn't. Obviously. No, and I say that as a member of the government. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very honest thing to have said. Well played, thank you, Paul, uh, and enjoy the weekend. Are you going to be watching the coronation anywhere special? 
I'll, I'll be watching it at home. Uh, we've got street parties um, uh, both in my constituency and uh, and uh, you know and in my own street as well. Um, so I'll be going around on the Sunday, but I'm looking forward to the the best view. I'd love to be nice to a bit of history to be in the uh, the Abbey, but actually you get a better yeah. View. Well, you can always watch it on Talk TV, and afterwards, myself and Kevin O'Sullivan will be entertaining you through the evening. Will you be pledging allegiance to the King? I have already done so as a, as a, you know when when uh, after the when he first uh, took the yes, throne. Yes, of course. But, uh, yeah, but I will I I will happily pledge allegiance again. Quite right, too. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Paul Scully there, one of the good guys, actually, Minister for Tech and the Digital Economy, even though, uh, like every other MP, he can't explain what net zero will actually do for the world or indeed for the planet. Uh, he can't because there is no explanation because it's all a bit of smoke and mirrors for you to make you all feel like you're doing something great, like the cyclists of this country. We'll get into them after this on Talk TV. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham on this auspicious Wednesday. Uh, it's still a little bit colder than normal. Uh, I was told this morning, by the way, that the, uh, um, there's something going on with Mars. There's something going on in the skies above us in the stellar sort of uh, astronomy area um, and that something is in retrograde, which means that things are going to go wrong. Now, I'm not a pessimist by any stretch of the imagination, but I did leave my phone in the car this morning. I had to go all the way back for it, uh, which made me slightly later arriving at work than I would normally be. Um, so if anything weird is happening to you, you can tell me. Uh, you can text me, of course. Um, you know the number for that. Uh, you can, of course, tweet us at Talk TV. You can tweet me at IROMG. Uh, and uh, you can find us uh, on 87222 uh, as well. Just start your message with the word talk and it will get to me here. Um, Paul Scully says he's a libertarian, says this texter, but backs the 2030 petrol car cliff edge while criticising Khan for the ULES tax. Both measures are equally damaging and expensive to us ordinary folk. His argument seems to be we're giving you a few years' notice of making you poorer, your life harder and threatening your independence while Khan is only giving you a few months. So that's all right then. <laughs> Pete in Essex, that is. Uh, he says, uh, and of one of the legions of never again natural Tory voters. Well, you know, this is the problem. Whenever you ask a politician exactly what they want to do with net zero and exactly why it's going to save all of our lives and how it's going to save the planet, they can't really tell you, can they? They can't really answer that question. Big question that we're doing today, should we replace the national anthem? I say no. Uh, I've yet to hear from anybody who thinks we should, because it seems to me that it is a tradition. It is a bit of a dirge, yes, but why not? You want something which is stirring. You want something which is serious. You want something which represents Britain. And, and as much as everybody wants to think of Britain as a modern democracy, uh, full of the joys of spring, well, that's fine. But it's also a very historic nation uh, with its own church, with its own head of state, uh, with the head of state who is also head of the church, the Church of England, which was started by Henry VIII, which was an historic and principled organisation. And so that's what we re represent. That's what we celebrate. Let us talk now, though, uh, to our very good friend, Mr. Rupert Bell, uh, Talk's royal correspondent. He's down in Westminster for us once more, I think this time right by the Abbey. Rupert, a very good morning to you. Yes, I'm, I'm on top of Methodist Hall. Good morning, Mike. Yes, and you'll be pleased to know there's some cars moving around down here today. Thank so, goodness um, for that. They, so I thought you'd like to know yeah. that. Well, they must have heard from me uh, because I tell you what, yesterday was an absolute nightmare. We were on a bus... Uh, with, which is emblazoned with talk TV uh, posters, you know, the, the big day, the coronation day, uh, all, the, all the players, the crown, the real crown, they're calling it. Um, and it was an old-fashioned Routemaster bus that you could hop on and hop off, the kind I used to do uh, when I was a schoolboy. used to hop on the back, and as soon as the conductor appeared, you'd hop off again and get the next one, so you didn't have to pay, that kind of thing. Um, but the, the city was in total gridlock because they'd closed off loads of it, and I can only assume for security purposes, but I can't understand why they let the cyclists through. 
Uh, well, uh, I, I can't answer that. Uh, I'm not, it's way out of my pay grade what that's going on there. It's not royal matters, but clearly cyclists have a right of way. Um, and everywhere you go, you find cyclists. There are plenty of them around here this morning, plenty of tourists and plenty of cars. So, um, sick, but it is, there are areas blocked off. And yesterday, of course, they had that full-blown rehearsal mm. last night. And one of the reasons they've got to block everything off is because of what we've already been talking about, the security issues. Because clearly the police, and there were plenty around this morning, they have got to make sure that this is as secure as area mm. as is possible, given what uh, is obviously taking place here on Saturday, sure. um, sort of around lunchtime. And also given what took place last night. I mean, fortunately, it wasn't a terribly serious incident, but it could have been. Um, and it underlines and underscores how difficult it is, really, to keep everything completely secure. Because when you allow members of the public into areas, you know, there's a chance that somebody might do something stupid. Yeah, and look, I, I was up at the Grand National, and, and that area is a vast area. The, the course is two miles mm. round. They had plenty of police on hand that day. But if someone is mindful to try and do something, they will find a way. And we saw that at the Grand National. So it's no different here. But clearly, with all the police that will be on the ground, there will be service personnel. And one of the reasons for the street lining is actually as a part of a security uh, for, to line the streets. Uh, and although they, and where they stand, the servicemen stand looking at the, uh, the king mm. when he comes past. But again, they have a security brief as well. If something should happen, yeah. then they would be stepping in as well, along with the, the usual police that, that will be around. Well, I assume they're also, while they're looking towards the, the, the centre of the street where the king is, they're also looking at the crowd behind uh, their cohorts on the opposite side because it's always that thing you see when American presidents are around uh, where the Secret Service are the only people looking at the crowd. Everybody else is looking at him. Uh, that, that exactly right. And actually, you'll see policemen lining between the service personnel and the and they will be facing directly to the crowd that they're standing next to. So there's but remember, there's also going to be security cameras all over the place. So this has been, you know, they had the experience of the funeral mm. uh, of what they needed to do then. And that was such an intense security operation because there were so many heads of state coming in. Of course, there are pl plenty coming in here this week. You know, the Australian Prime Minister's here, the New Zealand Prime Minister, just to name two. And plenty of others will be flying in over the next couple of days ahead of Saturday's coronation. So this is a major security operation that is being undertaken, not only by the police, but obviously intelligence operation uh, people as well. So it is one of the big costs of the, the coronation. Yeah. And what about the other, I mean, we've had these questions for the funeral of, of the Queen. Other um, sort of heads of state will come, obviously, with some of their own security detail as well. What will they do with all of those? Will they be sort of somehow scattered through the, the processionary area as well? Well, I, I think they're going to have probably trust. They will be around. I mean, one of the things that when um, President Biden turned up for the funeral, he drove the beast right up to Westminster Abbey. Right. Everyone else was put into buses and, right. and shipped in that way. And he just wasn't the having people, any of that. Congre well, and he's obviously not going to be... No, well, the fact is, Mike, I'm not sure you can have the President Biden coming to a, a coronation of, a, of an institution that they got, the country went away from in the late 1700s. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not sure he should be paying his respect in that sense because obviously they severed links with us back in the late 1700s. So I think it would be unusual and very strange if the President of America, whoever he is, mm. turned up to the coronation. Well, in that case, they shouldn't have the, the woman from Sinn Féin either, should they? 
she is the uh, leader, uh, I think as a political institution, she is leader of the largest party in Northern Ireland, yeah. so she should have every right to come, and she is coming, and I think that reflects and pe many people, having spoken to people in Northern Ireland about this very issue, they, they see, well, it seems perfectly right that she should come in here. I think there's less of a, a fraction. Of course, if you go back 40, 50 years, even when I was in the army, yes, it was a very different time and mm. a different perception of Sinn Féin. But clearly things have moved on since then. Yes, well, thankfully, that's one good thing. Um, we spoke briefly yesterday about Princess Anne interview uh, with Canadian News Network, uh, and we've got a couple of more clips from that to show you today. I'm sure you may have seen them already, Rupert, but not everybody has. Uh, this is Princess Anne speaking to CBC National about the slimmed-down monarchy. Well, I think the slimmed-down was, was said in a day when there were a few more people around to make that seem like a justifiable right. <laughs> comment. The world um, changes a bit. It changes a bit. I mean, it doesn't sound like a good idea from where I'm standing, I have to say. I'm, sure it does I'm not, not quite sure what else, you know, we can do. Yes, and I mean, she's right, isn't she? Because when Prince Charles was Prince Charles, he said that they should slim the monarchy down a bit. But it was a while ago, and it has kind of significantly slimmed down. Yeah, and obviously that is a reference to not only the Harry and Meghan situation, them having that, that uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex having gone to California, and obviously uh, uh, the Duke of York being sidelined as well uh, for his problems. So it has made it a very different dynamic. And let's be honest, the Princess Royal is one of the hardest working members of the royal family. She never shirks her responsibilities. She's happy to just get on with it. But clearly, I'm not sure where she can um, do, do much more because she is so committed. And that is the problem because it's actually, it is slimmed down now and there's a lot of pressure on the current working royals who are out there. Obviously, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, then you've got the Princess Royal, then obviously Prince William, the Prince and Princess of Wales. They are the front line uh, royals out there along with the King and Queen. So it's a pretty pared down operation that it is now. I wonder whether it's looking at more of the general infrastructure and some of the palaces and what they do with them and how they can try and make it more value for money in, in this modern era. Yes, because, I mean, there's been a lot of people saying uh, that we shouldn't be paying for the coronation. I'm not one of them, by the way, uh, given how much money it would appear that King Charles has now amassed as part of his personal wealth. But, you know, it's a state occasion, it seems to me. The state uh, should be paying for it. Yeah, and actually, I'm saying, well, Westminster Abbey is just awash with a, a tourists coming to be part of it or sort of be somewhere in mm. London at the time. And I know people who've said, I'm going to come over because it's something we as Britain do well. And if you look at the pictures of the rehearsal last night, what will happen on Saturday looks like it will be a spectacular occasion. Mm. And actually, it is costing the country less as a percentage of its GDP than it did in 1953, when, of course, we were coming out of the uh, Second World War and, and we were still having, it was still a, a dire economic time, mm. but it, it was, it is on a modern coronation, but it is actually perceived by many to be value for money given the, what it will generate for UK PLC. Yes, absolutely right. And so what happens from now until um, Saturday, I was saying to, to Leon Emerali when he was in earlier, that I remember when the Queen's speech was on, um, they actually remove all of the traffic lights and all of the uh, sort of uh, the, the, the street lighting out of the ground um, and put sort of tape over all of the manhole covers to prove that they've been sealed and sort of in, uh, inspected. Do they, will they run through all of that as well? Uh, yeah, they'll have been running through it non-stop. I mean, there will be every 
nook and cranny will be being searched between now and then. And of course, behind me, you might be hearing there's some building work going on uh, across the, the way here. There's plenty of uh, activity down below with people, things coming and going out of the Westminster Abbey as they complete their preparations. In terms of what the royal family will be doing, there will be various receptions as people arrive. I think there's one on Friday for some of the uh, leaders who are coming in with the king and queen will be attending before their big day. And obviously on Friday night for the king, you'd have to say it will be, um, I'm sure he'll be nervous and apprehensive because finally he'll wake up on Saturday morning uh, achieving what he's put on this earth to be king of this country. And he's had a 70-year wait to finally uh, be crowned king of this country. Yes, and we got a bit of a glimpse. You referred to the rehearsal last night that went on uh, with the carriages and the horses and the, uh, and the massed ranks of the armed forces. I mean, it's quite an impressive-looking sight from what I can tell. Uh, it is incredibly impressive, and uh, they are, you know, and, and under lights. I mean, if anyone who was out late at night, I, I, of course, had tucked myself up in bed way before the have. rehearsals uh, yeah. happened, um, he says, lying. Um, but actually, it was, uh, and looking at the pictures, absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. And again, anyone who was out in wave would have seen it. It would a real taste, and obviously under the lights, it sort of gave it an extra level. And when you see the state coach coming down uh, with the uh, six Windsor Greys, it really is an evocative sight. And I'm sure it was a real treat for those out and about last night. But it, seeing the pictures, it sets the tone for what should be mm. a wonderful uh, procession post-coronation. Yes, well, we're very much looking forward to it here. Uh, at Talk TV. Rupert, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure we'll see you later on uh, during the course of the day here at Talk TV. Uh, I've got Ian Collins back at one o'clock, Vanessa Phelps from four. At uh, seven o'clock, Jeremy Kyle live, which I think I will be on tonight, uh, uh, followed by, of course, Piers Morgan Uncensored and The Talk. So lots to look at, loads to do, uh, plenty of uh, other Princess Anne clips to look at later on as well. We'll do a bit more of that. Also, coming up though, how dangerous is it in Wolverhampton? This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. We're here all the way through until one o'clock, of course. Hi, Mike. I think we should have Rule Britannia for our national anthem. Uh, that should really shove it up those Republicans, et al. Tee hee, uh, says Tim from West Sussex. Uh, also, I've got this uh, from Benedict, who says, don't change the anthem. You don't need to change things that don't need messing with. It's an integral part of our national identity. When the anthem came over the radio to announce the death of the Queen, never have I felt such emotion for that particular anthem. Well, I think that's right. Quite a lot of you have got things to say about Net Zero as well. Uh, which we will tell you about. Branning Cambridge says, our history, which includes the national anthem, doesn't belong to this generation. We are merely custodians of it. We don't have the right to change either history or the national anthem. And I think that's absolutely right. You know, the problem with a lot of people who want to see things changing today, uh, it's all about change for change's sake. It's all about saying, let's break from the past. Let's rename the streets. Let's take down the statues. Let's pretend that something didn't happen. Because in the end, that will mean it didn't happen. Well, unfortunately, it's not that simple. You can't just erase history by changing the words of a song or by taking down a statue. You can't pretend um, that the guy who created Guy's Hospital and St. Thomas's Hospital, who happened to be called Thomas Guy, believe it or not, um, because he was a philanthropist and he wanted to create hospitals for the poor, you can't pretend that he didn't exist and that he didn't provide the money for those hospitals just because you decided you found something that linked him to the South Sea Bubble Company hundreds of years ago. Leave the bleeding statue alone. 
Anyway, that's enough of that for a moment. Let's talk now instead uh, to Sergeant Rich Cook, who's the chair of the West Midlands Police Federation. We've spoken to him a few times in the past. Terrible story overnight from Wolverhampton, a place called Bushbury, specifically in Wolverhampton, where two children, a girl of 11 and a boy of 15, were rushed to hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries after being shot, that's right, shot in a town, in a park near a town, uh, which has been described as a war zone. Um, goodness me, Sergeant Rich Cook, uh, what's going on there? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's an area I know well. I, I policed there for several years earlier in my career. It, it's, a, it's a lovely area, salt-of-the-earth people. Um, it's a, just a shocking incident. Mm. And unfortunately, one that, when you look nationally, is becoming increasingly more prevalent you know we we had the the tragic death of olivia pratt cabell yeah and the intended target we've had ellie evans a girl shot dead in a pub again a, a, allegedly a stray bullet and and then we had the the the, the young lady in a back garden um killed by a stray bullet yeah. in merseyside i mean know? it's like some kind of scene out of you know um a, a movie isn't it there's two cars apparently seen racing through the town um, presumably that's where the shots emanated from. Um, but that's extraordinary that that would be happening in, in what you call a rather you know nice part of uh, Wolverhampton. Yeah. Uh, absolutely it is. Um, and I know detectives are working flat out to find those responsible. Mm. And I've got every confidence that they will be uh, detained soon. Um, you know, it's one of those things where... Um, it's just it's just so shocking and it, it, what we increasingly see is criminals with a blatant disregard mm. for human life for innocent life yeah you know, there's no code of honor with these criminals anymore right. you know where they're, they're not bothered who gets caught in the crossfire no. and as a dad myself uh, with with young children you just um really fearful about what if that can happen in these sorts of residential areas then you know where else can it happen? Well, because so, as a parent, you would like to think that your kids can go and play in the open air um, without fear of being hit by some kind of drive-by random shooting, for heaven's sake. It's not, you know, San Francisco we're living in. 100%, absolutely. And it just says to me that we need to get back to what we've talked about before, Mike, uh, local policing. We need to get the community really engaged mm. with us and understanding of... of that these criminals really don't care. They're not worth protecting. You know, we need the flow of intelligence. You need to tell us uh, who's committing crime mm. and who's part of the gangs, who's dealing the drugs in your community. Yeah. Let's clean up the streets together. We've got to get that public trust back. Obviously, the public in Wolverhampton can use Crime Stoppers, and we'll be also be opening up an online portal, which mm. we call MIP, M-I-P-P, where uh, members of the public can upload... Um, footage from dash cams, uh, from mobile phones, and they can do it anonymously mm. as well, which is obviously they they may feel is important. But we need the public's help, and we've got to get that trust and engagement back, and we've got to get officers back out on the streets, visible, mm. and engaged, and knowing what's going on. I mean, we're told that this is one of the most um, uh, sort of well-covered countries when it comes to CCTV. Is that helpful to you to have CCTV footage of these kinds of incidents, or not really? Absolutely, it is, and, and the detectives involved are will be, you know, trawling 
CCTV and, and anything, any digital um, means of, of catching these people as soon as possible. They're doing that right now, mm. um, you know, and, and as I say, I'm confident that they'll progress that quickly and we will have the people responsible in custody very soon. Yeah, well, let's hope so for the sake of all um, the people that live in that particular neck of the woods. I mean, there's a, a primary school quite nearby. Uh, the play area is where the two children were. I mean, it beggars belief, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does, uh, Mike. And, and uh, you know, but I just say again, I don't see it as a Wolverhampton issue. You may sound bound to say that, being a West Midlands. No, I don't. No, I don't think it is. Honestly, but, I think it's just you, uh, Wolverhampton on this occasion has been unlucky. I yeah. mean, it could have happened anywhere. Absolutely, and that is my point to the government and to the powers that be. Mm. We're seeing this in our cities. It is predominantly urban areas, but we've seen it in a lot of towns as well. Yeah. You know, particularly with knife crime. Mm. Um, and, and it just reinforces what we've said before. We need proactive policing, officers stopping and searching, stopping vehicles, and be feeling uninhibited to do so. Mm. You know, and not having those those uh, shackles of some of the um, political correctness that we've seen, yeah. uh, and and the fear of uh, what will someone say about this? What will what will someone say about that? You mm. know, people who usually live nowhere near these communities, and and, and you know, we'll never, we'll never have to. These are ordinary working class areas that have been that are suffering this violence. You know, it's not the mm. middle classes in in the shires, um, and 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 they're the most often deprived areas. Yeah. This isn't a particularly deprived area; it has its problems like any other. But um, you know, as I say, the vast amount of people in these areas are ordinary, law-abiding, mm. hard-working people. They do not deserve to live in fear of these sorts of. Uh, feral criminals yeah, exactly right let me just ask you about what happened at the palace last night um shotgun terror it's being called this morning a man was able to get cl close enough to the to the fence line if you want to call it that buckingham palace and chuck some uh, shotgun cartridges over the uh, uh, over the fence i mean obviously very difficult to police an event like this because it's so big but but how uh, how would you react to something like that happening i mean does that prove basically that that the police have got it right uh, or do you think they need to make stronger um, sort of security. Well, it's good to see that the uh, that he was arrested very promptly mm. uh, because obviously an event like this, as you say, it is massive and it will attract all and all and sundry people, um, mm. criminals as well as people with um, mental health issues tend to be drawn towards these occasions. Yeah, so you, you, the policing there will will know that they've really got to be on the toes. So yeah, it's unfortunate the guy got so got so apparently close but he was arrested promptly um and i know there is plenty of armed officers when i've been down there in in these sort of target in inverted commas locations mm. yes so, yeah good work by the mess and, and good work by the officers there i don't know the details but you know i think it's reassuring but there will be more of these type of incidents hopefully not that that bad and hopefully in the main we'll head him off mm early doors. You would hope so. Some people have said to me, does it mean there's going to be a bonanza of crime for criminals because all the police are going to be watching uh, the coronation and the and the, and, and the, and the sort of various security around that? Yeah, I know. Hopefully not. Um, I don't know the arrangements within the Met. I know there's a massive operation. I know there's officers from up and down the country. But as ever with these operations, you will have the officers on the front end on the ceremonial functions. But that doesn't mean to say there aren't also a lot of officers working 
in and amongst the crowd, perhaps in plain clothes, um, and th there will be a response to other risk of, of crime going on in other yeah. areas. No, of course. Good to talk to you. Sergeant Rich Cook there, the chair of West Midlands Police Federation. Terrible story from a relatively nice part of Wolverhampton, he says, uh, where there was literally a drive-by shooting two guys in cars, or maybe more than two, uh, driving in a sort of car chase situation, firing at each other, hitting two children uh, by accident. Goodness gracious. It's become the Wild West, for heaven's sake. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The nonsense of net zero, says Wendy. My neighbour, who is an eco-nut, went to New Zealand by plane when our other neighbour asked how is it eco-friendly. She said they planted some trees in our local woodland, so that cancelled the harm done. And she said this with a straight face. They really do think it's true. Elton John did the same thing for Harry and Meghan, uh, did he not, I think, when they flew somewhere on his private jet. And he said, don't worry, guys, I'll just offset it for you. Uh, and he planted sort of, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of twigs in the Amazon. Brilliant. That'll source it, for heaven's sake. Uh, how about this from Les? Mike, when the King isn't in residence at Buckingham Palace, it should be open to paying public to help towards the upkeep and building reparations because the children... Um, what? Children? No, I don't know about the children bit. Not sure about that. But, um, well, I think Buckingham Palace is open to the public, isn't it, still? I think you can still pay to go in. Um, and I presume that goes towards the upkeep of the royal residences. Uh, why are the words green energy always followed by the words could in an energy crisis, if the green option was any good, people uh, would be throwing themselves at it. Well, that's true too. Um, Mike, asking the public what should replace the national anthem, get real, we would end up with the match of the day theme tune and Gary Lineker is the new king, says Trev in Bournemouth on sea. I don't think we want Gary Lineker as the new king, that's for sure. Let's talk to Will Geddes though, uh, because he is of course our friendly neighbourhood security expert and London right now um, is should be anyway operating like a vice that you shouldn't be able to get in and out of without the police knowing precisely who you are. Trouble is, it's a big place and you can't police every single street. Will, how are you doing? I'm very well, Mike. Very well. Back in the country. And obviously the most important person I needed to speak to first was you. Yes, well, of course. Absolutely right. We're seeing you later, I think, uh, for Plank of the Week this week as well, aren't we? So um, yep. let's talk about the wider implications for security. Last night... Um, some maniac managed to get close enough to the fence to throw some shotgun cartridges over it. Um, I suspect if he tried to do anything more dangerous than that, he would have been stopped. But, but, but what do you make of how the police responded? I think the police responded very adequately and I think they dealt with the situation and controlled it as quickly and efficiently as possible. And, you know, the, the, the way that we look at these things, Mike, is this is a really, really complex, massive event to secure mm. you know you've not just got all the members of the royal family you've got foreign dignitaries heads of states that are coming in people of significant public profile plus all the members of the general public so you know this is huge huge unprecedented i mean unprecedented beyond uh, her royal majesty's funeral uh, last year yeah. so you know we've got something here where the police and the various other agencies working together and in tandem uh, have been rehearsing, practicing, training, and we saw an example last night of how they deal with these situations as quickly as they can. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, in terms of the way that they respond, I mean, how large of an area would you say they're kind of policing and does it work in tiers? You know, so will they have, you know, tighter security the closer you get to the route, as it were? Yeah, absolutely. You, you have various different zones, uh, as would be marked out, uh, a little bit like a fried egg. And if you think the yolk is actually... Uh, the event locations, yeah. such as, for example, where the coronation's taking place, and then that yoke will change to 
at Buckingham Palace for obviously the members of the royal family when they come out onto the balcony. And then it's obviously in various ripples or, or circles uh, expanding beyond that, where security is obviously at various different levels and, and degrees. Now, again, that's not just looking at the royal family. It's also looking at members of the general public because it's very important not only to make sure that uh, the royals kept safe, but everybody who comes out to celebrate as well. Yeah. Now, as a security expert, you'll be able to answer this question, I hope. Yesterday, I was walking through um, Parliament Square, past the House of Lords. They'd banned all traffic from driving through uh, from London, from, from uh, uh, Westminster Bridge, down to Lambeth Bridge, up to Victoria, up Constitution Hill, past the Green Park. No access whatsoever for cars. But if you were on a bike, you could come away as happily as Larry. So it can't be just about vehicular safety, can it? Well, no, there's a number of different factors here, Mike. There's, uh, there's obviously in terms of parking and vehicles, which could be VBIEDs, which are vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices. Yeah. That's not to exclude motorcycles, but motorcycles are far quicker and easier to, to screen and to verify. Right. Bicycles, obviously, again, you know, they're, they're, they're less on the, on the risk level. And you're looking at what the actual uh, rider of that bicycle is wearing. Are they wearing a backpack? There's, uh, you know, at this particular time, Mike, it's everybody configuring their security, um, their, their remits of responsibility, which areas they're covering and protecting. But it's also looking at any hostile reconnaissance that might be undertaken right now by those who are planning to do something because they want to see how the security is set up where the cordons are, where the access points are. So whether it be a terrorist or whether it be Stop Oil or some other direct action group, it's going to be looking at, you know, where they could potentially do their protest or disruption or yeah. attack. And the authorities are going to be looking, obviously, at the security around that and making sure that anybody who looks as though they're scoping out their possible plan, mm. uh, they'll, they'll disrupt it or they'll identify yes. it. There are lots of different ways to do that. Sure. But, I mean, in a car in that area, you can't stop anyway. I mean, if you were driving around, you know, the middle of Parliament Square and you stopped your car at any point, uh, there'd be a police officer on you anyway within about two seconds, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also looking at the parking areas, you know, where there are metered spaces, you know. And again, some of those will be suspended. Mm. Quite a few have already been suspended to make it very difficult for anybody to plot up their vehicle in advance. Uh, and uh, evidently, you know, most of the people coming along to, to watch and spectate and participate will be invited obviously to come in by public transport and then it's going to be British transport police who are going to be really taking the, 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 the arrowhead if you like in terms of the security around the underground network and then obviously the buses and other means of public transport. Yeah absolutely right and as far as the um, uh, the, the forces that are being um, used in, in, in London this weekend I presume they'll be importing some of those from various different um, forces around the country um, does that mean that criminals will have a bit of a free reign on Saturday night when they're wandering about various different parts <laughs> of the country going, oh, good, Look, all the cops have gone to London. <laughs> no, I think uh, <laughs> my, no, none of the constabularies are going to allow themselves to find themselves lacking, uh, obviously, in coverage. And that coverage, uh, you know, any of the constabularies that will be asked to contribute and provide officers, they will be looking at, obviously, the, those patrolling officers, albeit, bear in mind, you know, we've got a greatly diminished number of police officers than we've certainly had in the past, which does bring a little bit of load load bear, obviously, in, in the coverage and response. But, again, this is only going to be for a couple of days. I remember meeting with quite a few uh, police officers, obviously, from various different constabularies around uh, Her Royal Majesty's uh, funeral last year. And uh, and they would literally be bust down, do the job, 
bus back to their various parts of the country. Yes. And a couple of stories as well around this morning. In the Sun this morning, uh, a piece about the, the poll, that the big poll that they did this week on, on what Britain really thinks about a variety of things. And on the subject of the climate protests, they basically don't think that the, uh, the protesters are being treated harshly enough. And they think judges are treating them too leniently as well. We have on top of that the Home Office uh, and the police writing to some of these protest groups and saying, look, um, if you want to protest on Saturday, uh, you might want to be prepared for a slightly more robust policing system. Absolutely. And, and quite right, too. I mean, it's a, it's a bit like the, the London Marathon. And there was considerations. Yes, Extinction Rebellion took a very responsible and grown up approach to say, why are we going to disrupt something which actually falls in line with our agenda? People running around in the fresh air and enjoying mm. it, but also raising considerable amounts of money for charity. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be the villains of the piece if they've done anything. And Stop Oil, again, they're kind of a law unto themselves. But if they decide they want to turn up, I mean, to be honest, there are probably going to be a, quite a few anti-monarchist groups, as there always mm. are. But I would say to them, turn out at your peril, because there will be lots of royalists and monarchists like myself who will be there to celebrate, obviously, the coronation of our new king. And yeah, they might. I mean, they might find themselves having and, to worry. Uh, they might have to find themselves having to worry a bit more about the pubs being open until one o'clock in the morning, and what happens when they uh, shut the doors. I think um, I think that might be more of a problem. But I think we've lost you there. Just before I was about to ask you uh, whether you thought we yeah, should change the yeah, national yeah. anthem, are you back? No. He's yes, back. I'm back. Mike. Oh, you I are back. You can hear me. Yes, oh, I can. Yeah. yeah. So just in time to ask you whether you think we should change the national anthem. Some people seem to think that God Save the King is a bit too boring. Have a listen. Oh, I mean, it's great, isn't it? Why would you want to change it? There's absolutely no reason to change it, Mike. It's again, you know, that our society and culture is getting eroded by stupid and idiot people who mm. think that they could know better. This is tradition. Let's keep our tradition. Yeah, exactly right. Well, good to see you. Thank you very much indeed. And of course, look out for Plank of the Week this weekend because we'll get his, we'll be on it. Uh, this is, of course, Talk TV. Coming up, we'll take your calls 0344 499 1000. Uh, Mike had sent in this message when we were talking to Paul Scully. You should ask that MP what happens when the air is clean. Do we stop paying the tax? <laughs> Good question. Well, the air will never be clean, will it? They'll always find new reasons for it to be dirty. It'll be the smokers, apparently, that George Osborne wants to kill off, effectively, uh, that are causing the air pollution. Or it won't be cars anymore. It'll be buses. It'll be trains. It'll be something else. It'll be planes, for heaven's sake. Uh, apparently, we'll all be flying around in electric vehicles by then, so you won't have to worry. Yeah, sure. This is Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.